pervertibles because people forget that anything in your home can be an implement. I recently got spanked with a shoehorn. I loved it. Pervertibles. We can pervertify anything. You know, at Dom Depot, there's rope, there's chains, there's those little stir sticks. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to the ABCs of kink. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Tomchasson, and I am joined by my delightfully spunky co-host, Robin. Hello. Hello. Robin, what's the, what's the story here? I'm a little rough this morning. I went out to cruise last night. And I had a great time, but you are the first person I've talked to this morning and also you listeners. So I'm a little gravelly. I didn't get wasted or anything, but I think just being 44 and you stay out. I, I didn't even go to bed late, but I did have two drinks and I went outside my house and I'm a little rough now, but I feel good. I don't know if I sound good. <laughs> Aside from cruise, what is giving you a fuck yeah? I have a very heartwarming fuck yeah. We got a wonderful listener email. It's just really heartwarming. They sent an email that really touched me. I know it touched you. And I just wanted to share a little of it because it's kind of like the whole reason we're doing this in a lot of ways, you know, is to hopefully have an effect on people, maybe introduce something that they haven't thought about before. We're all learning about things together, hopefully helping people to connect with themselves and others and giving permission and all these wonderful things that we've talked about on the podcast. We had someone reflect it back to us a little bit. So I want to just read a little bit of it. I'm not going to say their name because some of it's kind of personal and um, but you know who you are and thank you for sending this in. So I'm just going to share a little bit of it. They say, sending you a note to say that your podcast is an endless delight. I found my way to the show through being a bit of a big time fangirl of Lucy Fielding. Likewise, yes. we all feel we love Lucy. <laughs> and they go on to say, and I have continued to love each and every one of your episodes. Oh. Oh, your conversation with Sydney Rogers was of particular personal significance. One of your stories about the first time you saw a professional trans woman headed to work brought tears to my eyes. Uh, and I, I'm just, I, I mean, I had tears in my eyes talking about that story and then to share that and have it have an effect on somebody else's life is really wonderful. They also talk about how they loved the cannabis episode with Ashley Manta and that they are quote, I am a fairly recent neo vulva owner on a self pleasure and erogenous zone mapping journey. And I was like, what? That sentence, that sentence, I'm like, a couple years ago, I wouldn't really even know what they were talking about. But that sentence through this podcast is like so much of the things that I've learned that, you know, we're all on this kind of self-pleasure, erogenous zone mapping journey together. And so I just love that somebody you know, would even write a sentence like that to us. Yeah, it just yeah. brings me so much joy. So thank you so much for writing in. It's giving me a big fuck yeah this week. 
Yeah, you know who you are. And this is like you said, it just hits so many of the different points of what we're trying to do. And like when we've done magic around the podcast, one of the phrases that we've put out there as an intention is expansive mutuality. And for us, it's about connecting outside of our sphere Mm -hmm. and influencing and also having that then come back to us so that it is a loop of positive change and growth that we're all benefiting from uh, by, you know, bringing these experts on who we love and adore and want to share with folks who are, you know, enhancing our lives. And to know that the podcast is resonating then gives us that motivation to keep doing it and to feel grounded in what we're doing, which is so awesome. And, you know, of course, we're open to your feedback as well. Mm -hmm. You know, give us guests you want us to talk to. If we do tell a story that's like, hey, that was not as Mm -hmm. thoughtful or considered as it could have been, like that's that we also mean that when we're talking about expansive mutuality. So yeah, this is this is definitely a fuck yeah for me too this week. And kind of in that same vein, one thing I was interested in sharing about that I did a little differently this morning. We're recording on a Sunday, as you mm-hmm. said, you went to cruise last night. And in our last episode, we were talking with Samantha Fox about the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And I think of it a lot as like the capitalist gaze too, yeah. right? Like the patriarchy and capitalism are these brothers that are really like aligned. (laughs) Well, yeah. And they're triplets because there's the white supremacy stuff is in there also. Yeah. That tripod is sort of holding Mm -hmm. each other up for sure. But I talked a little bit about being really attached to being put together Mm -hmm. and wondering from that conversation, like how much of that is actually innate desire on my part. Mm -hmm. I think some of it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um can but a lot of it's conditioning too. Mm-hmm. So today I decided not to get camera ready and I didn't put any makeup on and I just showed up here with you to uh in, to podcast and just <laughs> trying to put a little bit of action to these things that we're talking mm-hmm. about and thinking about and challenging myself to like try some different things. Because, yeah. you know, the growth is a big part of why I'm doing this. So yeah. here I am. Good for you. You can go to our YouTube and see our Sunday morning looks. <laughs> see our I woke up like this looks. <laughs> I mean, I think we're looking pretty good. You know? So today we're having Safia Darling on yes. the podcast. You probably know her from her TikTok and Instagram fame as Sex Positive Safia. Safia is a sex educator and BDSM expert, Black femme teaching and doing a lot of event work. She's one of the Dyke Daily organizers, and we just had a really fun, delightful conversation. I can't imagine that it's possible to have a conversation that's not fun and delightful with Safia. Such a delight. We're excited to share it with you. Yeah. She's an effervescent, bubbly beverage. And Mm -hmm. let's dive in with her. Hello, Safia. We're so excited to have you. How's it going today? 
It's going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome to Fuck Yeah. We have some warm-up questions we like to throw at our guests. And so I am wondering, what's your favorite thing to wear right now, clothing or otherwise? So my favorite thing to wear right now is a matching lingerie set, Ooh. regardless of what the occasion is. Any matching lingerie set? Any matching lingerie set has been like my like secret confident weapon right now. And is there a specific brand or kind that you're into? No, surprisingly, there's not. I saw this really lovely uh, girl on Instagram and she does these daily photos called like what's underneath. And she just Mm. has her regular vanilla clothes. And then under there somewhere, she's got like this banging lingerie set on. And I'm like, I'm taking a cue from her book. That that looks like a great idea. So are you wearing it to work and stuff? I'm wearing it to work. Nice. So here I am at work, you know, regular Navy blazer, slacks. I like a comfortable shoe, but underneath mm-hmm. there's like a bright, hot pink bra and panty set under there with little strappy strappies, you know? I love it. Your secret. Who was your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush that I ever said out loud was likely Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, oh that's so sweet. He was a cutie. I was a big entertainment wrestling fan too. Hmm. So I loved Trish Stratus and like Stacey Kubler. And there was this really buff black chick named Jackie. And I think I should have known I was gay-ish because I loved that because they were wrestlers, I could have their photos all over the walls. Mm -hmm. My mother never cared anyway, but you know, like your own internalized, like worrisome of yeah. If someone's going to react poorly, makes you kind of dull your shine a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I love the entertainment wrestlers and Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a cutie. Wow, that's a big range. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was from Home Improvement. Am I wrong? He was. That's so great because it's so like Tiger Beat and then <laughs> Gorgeous Ladies of <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> if I had to choose like a, a type of a guy, I like a mm-hmm. softer soul for like uh-huh. a guy and I like a dominant woman. So yeah. it, it was on brand even back at that age. Yeah, it was queer even then. That's great. <laughs> I love those early signals. Mm -hmm. What was your first mode of masturbation? Humping pillows. Nice. Some of those pillows got some good action. And it was always the ones from the living room because they were a little bit more sturdy. Mm -hmm. A little firmer. How old do you think you were? Ooh, probably eight, maybe nine. And I used to like that pillows like hide in plain sight too. So that was always very discreet. Yeah. Yeah. We we think that we like find these secrets that like I found the jet in the jacuzzi or in the pool, but everybody knew what I was doing. Just like <laughs> hanging out in that one spot all the time. You know, <laughs> do you think you ever got caught or anything with your firm pillows or did you sneak them into your room or? So my twin and I had the same bedroom until we were 16 and we even shared the same bed. We had separate beds, like bunk beds and stuff, but we still chose to share a bed together. But we were big nappers. So I would wait for her to take a nap. And then I would like sneak off somewhere. We would spend the whole summer at grandma's house. And grandma was always napping. So one of us would be outside playing. And then you just sneak off into a room. And it was quick. It was quick. I had it down to a science, like seven, 10 minutes or less in and out. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame when you have a twin that you're also having to navigate your private time around. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was a pillow humper too, apparently. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always been my suspicion 
that most of us are pillow humpers and at least the small sample group that we've had on the podcast is confirming that to be true. A lot of humpers. A lot of humpers. It was just easy access. And then, like you said, like you just toss the pillow and play it off. It's no B- no BFT. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you're like, be cool. It's cool. Big deal. You know, you never walked in on your sister or knew she told you later on that she was also a humper or I don't think so I think I got suspicious because we both would always have far too many pillows in our bed and I was like why where where all where's all this coming from like what's happening here our love for firm pillows it it did the trick it did the trick because when you had a squishy pillow like a bed Mm -hmm. pillow like something with feathers you had to like fold it four times yeah and that was too much work Those are for cuddling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You grew up in the Midwest, yeah? I did. St. Louis, Missouri. What was it like growing up in the Midwest as a queer, kinky person? What Did you come out when you were still living in St. Louis? I did. I was president of my school's Gay Straight Alliance. <gasps> I love it. Sophomore year through senior year. Even though I had a boyfriend I came out as bisexual around freshman year, sophomore year, and then even started identifying as a lesbian somewhere towards like junior year, senior year, even though I dated him well into my freshman year of college. My sexual orientation changed, but I never dumped my boyfriend and we stayed together and he didn't really care that it changed. He had actually had bad luck and his last three girlfriends had came out as lesbians so he thought he was like jinxed or something well it's just a vibe really right (laughs) i I think it's one of those things where especially for femme folk who like femme folk it's one of those things where you don't want like this super duper macho man who's going to be like gross and chauvinistic Mm -hmm. and he was raised with like southern values and was really sweet and kind and he's still one of my best friends to this day and I think that that passes the vibe check for like queer femme folk that were like okay I could trust my drink with you I can trust Mm -hmm. my spirit my soul my body with you like that sort of thing so shout out to him growing up in the midwest was really odd it was very stifling I remember even one of the main reasons why I chose to move to Los Angeles was I wanted to live somewhere that fit me better. Mm -hmm. I was a Black woman, queer, non-monogamous, non-religious. And that just did not suit the, I guess, the the, the vibe of what was happening in St. Louis, Missouri, that I did not fall into alignment with what everyone else was doing. I remember even him saying, oh, you don't have to move to LA. Like, why don't you just start something here? And I'm like, I'm not trying to start a revolution. I'm just trying to (laughs) fall in love and live my life. Mm -hmm. I figured if I can't change my environment, that I'll move to an environment that is better suited for what I'm looking for. And that's exactly what happened. I moved here nine years ago next month, Mm -hmm. and I grew so fast living here in Los Angeles than I ever did living in St. Louis, Missouri. That's great. I went to high school in Los Angeles and then moved to Muncie, Indiana briefly. And that's where I discovered kink. I think it was inevitable that I would discover it, you know, but that's where I was really introduced to it. But to pull events together there, we were doing like play parties a couple times a month. We were pulling people from, you know, the tri-state area, Mm. as it were, because it's just really 
few and far between. I mean, without the internet, I don't know how people did it back in the day. Well, I do know they had magazines and stuff and it was weird, (laughs) but you really have to search for your, the gems and the unicorns out there. Absolutely. I remember going to poly meetups Mm -hmm. and while being there, I was in this interesting age bracket of like 24 years old where everyone was either younger, 18, 19, and they're like, we're Gen Z. We just want to have love and be free. And I was like, well, that's cute, but I can't take you anywhere at 18, 19. So we won't match. Or people were in their 50s and they're like, we grew up in Mm. the 70s. Oh, Woodstock. We want to just be in love and be free. Swinging. Right. And that was too old for me in terms of where I was going down my life path. Like at 50, they were already having children my age and I was still... Mm -hmm in the flux about whether or not I was going to have children and have a traditional family or whatever. And I remember just like showing up all the time to kink events and poly events and being the only black woman there. Mm -hmm. There was another black person there that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be a match. Mm -hmm. And then also showing up at polyamorous events and being the only person black in my age bracket. And that wasn't that wasn't going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. What What was it like for you when you came out here? I mean, I know coming out of the pandemic, I'm seeing that you're doing like a lot of events now and, you know, certainly centering like queer black folks, but you've been here for nine years. Like, how have you seen it change? And when you got here, was it the thing that you were looking for or do you feel like you've had to create it? I luckily got the cheat sheet in terms of getting into things. My sister and I made a very smart plan. We said, we can't be like Madonna and show up to Los Angeles with $20 and a guitar and just hope to make it big. Like we weren't moving here for film or music. We were literally just moving somewhere more liberal. It was a choice between LA, San Francisco and San Diego San Diego was too slow and San Francisco was too expensive. So we chose LA. But you knew you wanted to be in California. I did. I needed to be in California. Even just the way the political legislation and being a blue state, how all that was lining up was still light years better than Missouri. Missouri's state motto is the show me state. But I always Mm -hmm. joke and say it needs to be called the, well, why would we change it? It's fine the way it is, state. (laughs) Yeah. Missouri was the last state to free its slaves. They just legalized cannabis this year. Yeah, like after Tennessee and shit. After Tennessee. (laughs) You know. (laughs) (laughs) Late to the party for everything. And I just saw that going to be a continued through line. So we moved here with jobs that we knew would transfer, which was perfect. Mm -hmm. I worked at T-Mobile and then I had a part-time job at the stock room. And I worked there for maybe three months and they offered me an assistant management position. And I said, buy T-Mobile, even though that paid me three times the amount of money each month. I wanted something that fulfilled my soul. Mm -hmm. And that was just the thing that I needed. And I got access to Stockholm University. I got access to all the fun people who would come in and out there, all of the talks. I got free entry to the dominatrix conventions and the trade shows and a discount on like bought my first latex outfit. Like Mm -hmm. it was the crash course of everything kinky, which I'd still been a kinkster in the Midwest, but it was not, my growth did not happen until I moved here for sure. I'm sure people ask you about the twin thing a bunch, but but it is just so fascinating to, I think, anyone who's not a twin. I don't know if it's fascinating to twins. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's my only sibling. So I don't know any different. I've had siblings on my father's side who I've met twice in my life. Yeah. So I don't know anything different, but we are both queer kinksters and we're both bottoms. <sighs> So I actually had a play party this past weekend and she came with me and I always forget. I tell people I have a sister. I forget to tell them I have an identical twin. Yeah. You did that to me once. (laughs) I get very easily confused and I was just like, ah, but it's so wonderful. Like you guys will be, you know, running the booth together at the kink events and everything at cruise. And it's so great to see you guys there. And it's so casual and familial. Like I have a brother who is also kinky he's very different than me in a lot of ways and like we've been to some kink events together but it is it's like awkward you know but do you just not have that with your sister you're just like it's we don't easy. get awkward or weird she's more private in her kink so she tends to have like dominance or practice at home and things like that she yeah. doesn't do a whole lot out in public we do have a very funny story though where she went on a blind date to a bar but the bar was closed for a private event so they went next door to the other bar and it was a drag show night she didn't realize it was kink BDSM themed. And so I also used to work for Hustler Hollywood and I used to help throw the kink nights. And so I had all these kinky friends that came to this bar. She's sitting there for her blind date and people are coming <laughs> up and motorboating her and kissing her. And the drag show goes on and people are um, like putting pins in themselves. And there's a water sports scene and her date is looking at her like, what the fuck did you invite me to? Right. And then finally here I walk in in these knee high patent leather um, pleaser boots and a corset and these little tiny shorts. And I go to hug her and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, what is happening? (laughs) That's hilarious. She said she was mortified, but also mildly relieved because she was trying to explain to her date. I have a twin and my twin does this. Yeah. And the date said, I'm so actually happy you did show up. I thought she was lying. I thought she was living this double life and just wasn't ready to like disclose it to me. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bizarre thing to have happened. That's like, what are the chances? That's so interesting. <laughs> We've had dominants approach us in the past asking if they could like call her both of us mm. or something. But we both have very different ways that we practice mm. kink. I'm very much like the... 1950s Susie Homemaker housewife and my sister's more of like a brat sort of princess Mm -hmm. baby girl sort of style so pink and you know tantrums and I'm more like you know (laughs) polish the silver and you know bake some bread yeah well I think of your education as having a touch of that Mm. as well I love this move away from kink being in the confines of leather Like, I really love that people are breaking out of the mold, but also doing it in like really public ways. And I feel like that's something that you're doing. You bring a real lightness. I mean, certainly an approachability. I don't know if that's like the Midwest in you, but Mm -hmm. I'm wondering like, what is it for you to have kind of that dichotomy of the lightness? You said like the 50s housewife (laughs) polishing the silver combined with the exploration of intense sensations and dynamics Mm -hmm. in kink play. 
someone explained it to me really well and said, you have a way of making things easily digestible. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the way like my neurodivergent brain works where I hear something and I'm very good at like breaking it down to ones and zeros. Mm -hmm. And so I essentially try to approach kink the same way where someone says, oh, what is, you know, water sports? And then I'm like, okay, so let's start with, let, we don't judge here. <laughs> then, you know, just kind of set the tone and then kind of explain like, this is that, and this is why people like it and why people are into it. And I try to explain it in a context where it's a little bit of a bigger picture and give some examples to people that make sense to them. I, one I love to explain to people is kink is like spicy food. Either you were raised in a space where it was around you. Like, for example, if you were raised in a very liberal space, the idea of doing kink and BDSM isn't far outside of the realm because it's something mm-hmm. you're already familiar with. Or you like the shock and awe of something spicy burning in your mouth. And so therefore, that's kind of like kink. Either you were raised around a space that's very kink sex positive and that's cool for you. Or you like diving into the deep end and you're willing to go for it. So it's a matter of whether or not you're putting hot sauce in your bag and taking it everywhere or just throwing a splash on and the same thing with hot sauce, you go as hard or light as you want to. So there's, there's levels to it. What do you think it is for you? Was it that like taste of the spicy and you were like, Oh, something just exploded in my brain and woke me up. Yes. Working at Hustler, we all got assigned a section to take care of. So some people had the lube wall. Some people had lingerie. And then I had the kink BDSM section because I was very detail oriented and my boss saw that. And I had probably been working there maybe four or five months. And I said, well, if I'm going to take care of the section, I want to do it well. So I researched online how to take care of leather. So I knew not to spray certain chemicals on the floggers and whips. I looked into your handcuff stuff. And then while doing my research, I was like, this is this and this is that. And I had a regular customer who used to come in. And I remember one day I saw him just, I called them throwing them. He was just, he was, he was Florentine flogging, but I called it throwing floggers in the air. And I said, hey, it was the middle of the day. I don't know why he was there in the middle of the day at like two o'clock or something. But I was like, hey, Damien, we just got this new shipment of floggers in. I've seen you throwing them in the air before. Do you mind hitting me with them? Because I want to be able to give good feedback to my customers. He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. So he he took off his little suit jacket and folded it up and put it on the register. And then I stood there in the middle of the sales floor and got Florentine flogged. And I remember just zoning out and being like, this is amazing and couldn't have gone on more than like five minutes, maybe pushing 10 minutes, but got flogged for the first time on the clock at work. <laughs> you got paid. <laughs> I was in bliss the rest of the day. You could, you could have came in and been like, give me all your money. Take it. Take it. Xavier, <laughs> yeah, you know, will you, will you pay for my lunch? Yeah. Pay for it. Go for it. Like, you want to close early? Yeah. Like, I was very cute and floaty for the rest of the day. The next weekend, I got a FetLife account, but Mm -hmm. it was just that quick. Just that quick. It was really cool, though. I loved it. He he became my first play partner 
And we're still friends, which is pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. I love impact play. I feel like it's the gateway drug into kink where it's just like, there's obviously very painful ways to administer a spanking or a flogging, but there's also so many ways to do it that are just like deeply cathartic is kind of how I think of it. It's just like a real intense relaxation in the body almost. I realized recently, because I we've been talking so much about somatic therapies and I've been doing like the kind of tapping somatics in my personal therapy. And then probably six months ago or so, I was at Cruise and I got a spanking by Tina Horn. And first of all, just the amount of care that they took with that spanking was, it's just so nice to be cared for. Mm-hmm. And also to be in that public space where you you know that this you feel safe in that space in your leather bar kind of space but this back and forth pom 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 really i was like oh this is a soothing somatic like nervous system calming thing to do it's mm, i'm there with you that feels great that level. Feels great i've been really into like the softer side of kink post-pandemic like mm-hmm, pandemic you would have seen me like getting the heaviest floggers the whippiest whips getting tased at a play party or wow. something yeah but getting coming out of the pandemic i'm really craving touch and connection. Mm. I think we're all pretty touch deprived, Mm -hmm. Um, which apparently, fun fact, that's how cuddle parties started. Mm. After the Spanish influenza, that everybody was feeling touch deprived because they weren't allowed to touch each other. And so people started cuddle parties. So people had a way to have touch and connection since they had been isolated from each other for a long time. I did not know that they did it that long ago. That is amazing. Yeah. So I guess that's the same surge that I'm kind of feeling where I'm, I'm feeling more like massage kink i've been liking like trigger point stuff that's been really fun i went to a tickle party recently spanking but more like intimate over the knee spanking not so much like a paddle and then just like the more like connected breathing tantra sort of stuff stuff that's not so heavy and i'm trying to be more conscious about listening what my body needs it's been really nice I feel like a lot of people, at least in the beginning, kind of grapple with this thing of, am I kinky? Like, what makes it kink, right? And so it's like, you you might come across someone who really enjoys rough sex, but is like, oh, I'm not kinky. But you're describing things that in other contexts wouldn't necessarily be kinky at all. So what for you is kind of that special element that makes it tap into that desire in your brain, like those kinky interests and fantasies. What I think makes it kinky is is the intention behind it. Mm. So even like for massage, I can go to mm-hmm. my massage therapist. I can go to some sort of massage space and get a regular massage and not have it be kinky. It's just a person with some oils rubbing on my body. But if the intention is for it to be kinky if the intention is for it to be arousing not necessarily in the context of like arousing to making an orgasm but something that's supposed to like light a fire in me not just create like a like a sense of release Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it different and you're very much right I hear people all the time and have people in my dms there's a lady who's a makeup artist and she comes home every day and her boyfriend does this like 
recce treatment and rubs her feet after standing on her feet all day um, doing people's hair and makeup. And then the foot massage turns into romping around in the bedroom. And so they think it's just him offering her a foot massage for a long day. But Mm -hmm. three of us would say that sounds a lot like goddess body worship and a foot fetish. Right. Um, But I hear people say stuff like that all the time. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not kinky, but you know, when my partner goes and decides they want to like put something in my butt or stimulate my prostate or, but then they start adding onto it. And then like she puts her panties in my mouth and then she puts her thumb in my butt. And I'm like, it's like I'm not kinky but my submissive is (laughs) well I think that that is like sometimes the missing piece for people let's take the example of the boyfriend who rubs his partner's feet every Mm -hmm. day that she comes home from standing on her feet all day at work it's like he has maybe been programmed to be the dominant aggressor Mm -hmm. through socialization right but like When you then look at this thing like, oh, this brings me a lot of pleasure, pleasuring my partner pleasures me. And you can then say you if you can name it like, oh, Mm -hmm. you are a service sub or a service top. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Then it's like it can open up this whole other world of dynamics that you get to explore. And I think for a lot of people, or I I guess I will speak for myself, it was very liberating for me once I broke out of the like exclusively submissive femme Mm -hmm. role Mm -hmm. that like, you know, I kind of pushed on myself that other people projected onto me and then like realizing that there were other options available. I was like, oh, suddenly I feel a lot more creative about how I want to engage in play and like the whole world of kink opened up to me. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's like you gave yourself permission and by giving yourself permission, you opened up a, a smorgasbord of different opportunities for you to be able to have for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sounds like right on the money that even though people are like, oh, I don't think I'm kinky, but then you're like, but what if you were? And what if you were to play around with a title or at least research into what that title means, would you be giving yourself permission to be able to explore a whole nother lifestyle of being that allows you to be able to enjoy yourself in the way that you've probably been kind of holding yourself back for a period Mm -hmm. of time? Because it's identity. I don't identify as a kinky person. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course I do. But, you know, it's like you you could say that, but is there a certain level of maybe judgment that they have about it or whatever that they wouldn't want to identify that mm-hmm. way? So it's like, yeah, I have really rough sex and I put panties in mouths and I stick <laughs> fingers up butts, but I'm not kinky. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, it's like, but if you were, just think of all the other things you could do also if you allowed yourself to like take on like another... I mean, it's not identity for a lot of people. It can just be a behavior. But I think it's like when it's so long been put into this like perversion realm and now it's, you know, having its heyday and becoming more normalized and everything. But it's really, to me, the pinnacle of human behavior. It's where we're taking this, you know, very animalistic type of sexual thing, but we intellectualize it and then play with it in this way where it can just become 
anything where like a foot rub can be sexual, serving tea can be sexual, anything that you want. And it's just so much more fun and expansive. I have a little bit of trouble when I meet people that are just like, truly, I have no interest. And I'm like, not even a little, not even a little bit. Like you're satisfied. Like you don't have, you're not a little curious. Like it's so fun. Like, But maybe it's just us. I don't know. And our listeners. I, I, I also meet people who are very linear in mm-hmm. their things too. I have a new oh, yeah. friend who's obsessed with balloons. Mm. Um, his most recent thing he likes to do is watch he was watched this was a conversation we had back when house of dragon the new game of thrones spinoff mm-hmm. came off and he likes to blow up the balloons and then sit on them while watching house of dragon and like scooch around he loves the surprise of when they pop that's the thrill yeah. he has a sister he lives with and the sister has no idea that it's a fetish a kink for him she thinks he's like it's a clowning or something like he wants to be a magician and he just lets her think that because yeah. it's just the better option. But he has no kink about anything else unless it's balloon related. I've noticed that a lot with people who like tickle kink. They they only like that. And then I had a neighbor and he has a fart fetish. Mm. Ooh. Like he likes farting or he loves other people's farts. He likes women farting on his face. <sighs> to the point that he'll like find girls and like get hotel rooms and they'll just eat like Taco Bell bean burritos and light up the hotel room. Wow. I love finding new kinks. I post these like fetish facts on my Instagram every Friday because I love just like digging in and discovering all these new ways people are expressing themselves. And it's funny because I had an old coworker who had like a farting problem <laughs> where mm-hmm. she was just like very gassy mm-hmm. and it just again, lines up in my head that there's someone for everyone. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Here yep. she is, a kinkster who can't stop farting. And here's this person who's a kinkster who would love her farting all the time. Whether she would want to be fetishized for her like GI problem, I don't know, but um, it's worth asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I love the joy you're taking in it. I feel very similarly about it. It's like, just tell me the, because the weirder, the better. It just makes it, it's like creativity to me. I'm like, wow, you get off on that. I'm going to tell you the weirdest one from my domination days was a very large man wanted to be covered with as many pantyhose as I possibly could. He brought in about 12 pairs, multiple ones over his head, over his arms, up his legs, as many as we could. And then from across the room, he brought in the biggest baby powder bottle you've ever seen okay just comically large and I would squeeze it in the you know the powder shoots out and I go and I'd squeeze it and I'd go I'm gonna cover every inch of you in baby powder squeeze squeeze and I'd get closer and closer to him and he was tied up on a St. Andrew's cross and he couldn't move and as I got closer he was like like getting very overwhelmed and like a panicky fun way and I finally when I got up to him doing that I pulled the pantyhose from his waist and just dumped it in there and he spontaneously ejaculated no touch or anything and then he was like thank you very much that was lovely and went about his day and I had a lot of baby powder to clean up oh my gosh that's so fun I was like you're lucky that was so weird because this is a lot of work to clean up (laughs) 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 it was awesome I'll never forget it I'll never forget it I was like wow 
A plus, A plus for creativity. <laughs> oh man, I to be a fly on you the know? wall in that room would have been so cool. My friend Jackie recently shared with me that they have a client who they do a phone session with every so often, and he has a crush on Hillary Clinton, but wow. he likes to be humiliated about it. Yes. Their dominatrix like client session is she heckles him about <laughs> his crush on Hillary Clinton. Like, oh, you, she wouldn't touch you. You know, she's mm-hmm. so higher than you. She's yeah. too wrinkly. Like, and he's like, I know, but I love her so much. I love that. <laughs> oh, I, and I also gosh. love like, who knows where this kink came from for him. But he's this middle-aged cis man who has this crush on this presidential candidate that is the older woman that is Hillary Clinton. And where it came from, I don't know, but I'm fascinated. Yeah. Like to be to be tapping in FBI style on that other line would be yeah. would make my day. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, humans are endlessly fascinating. <laughs> You have a series on your TikTok. Is it A to Z of kink? It's the ABCs of kink. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's fantastic. You're really creative with it. You have a lot of fun with it. It's really fun to watch. People have to follow you. Sex positive, Safia. What are some of your absolute favorite tips or negotiation techniques? What's been your favorite maybe from that series that you love to share with people? I think my favorite one I got from there was G is for gear, the clothes we wear and the things we pack. I wish I would have done, I might still do it and do pervertibles Mm. because people forget that anything in your home can be an implement. I recently got spanked with a shoehorn and I love yes. it. <laughs> I love Thank it. you for this word pervertibles, because I yeah. was trying to come up with this word for my class that I did the other night where I was like found objects. I'm like, that's too art school. Like what, what's the <laughs> word for that pervertibles? Pervertibles. We can pervertify anything, mm-hmm. you know, at Dom Depot. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, yeah, yes, because yeah. I was like, put on your kink glasses and go to Home Depot. And they're like, what? There's rope, there's chains, there's mm-hmm. those little stir sticks for there's the switches. The yep. Mm-hmm. Or you just take a nice little piece of cherry wood and polish it. There's mm-hmm. all so many options. Yeah, you can kneel on some sandpaper. <laughs> Everything. I don't know if this was on the podcast or if this was shared with me by another educator, but they have their submissives kneel on Legos. Mm. Oh. I mean, oh, nasty. That's some mommy dom shit. That's yeah. some payback. Yeah. Oh. I was like, whew. I, I recently saw a scene with Rogelio Ruckus, who is the cruise mixed leather from like 2020 mm. and mm-hmm. Silky Smooth. And they did an impact play rope scene and they used a succulent, a cactus and would prickle it all over their body and then put them up on their tippy toes and put the cactus under their heels so they couldn't step down on it. So again, 
head on over to Lowe's or the Home Depot Garden Center and yeah. you can still snatch up some things over there too. Right? Only limited by your imagination. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Every, everything's a weapon or dildo if you're brave enough. <laughs> Or an impact implement. All, all yeah. the options. To get back to your question in terms of like things that I've discovered along the way. This sounds kind of silly, but the things that I've discovered is the things that happen in my comment section where mm. people are, oh my gosh, this has a name. Oh my God. So I started the ABCs of Kink as an introductory series because there are so many words and terms and verbiage. And a lot of the words that we use also cross over to the vanilla world. So for example, Mm -hmm. someone goes to a munch, which is a gathering of kinky people. But if you're from the East Coast, a munch is also a guy who specifically loves pussy or you go to the (laughs) south a guy is like a simp like a guy who's like Mm. oh he's a munch like he's obsessed with her like Mm. he'll pay her bills you know he could she could drive him over with a car like he wouldn't care so just like a way of defining the terms in a bdsm context so as people go through the community and they hear these words and they hear things like your kink's not my kink but that's okay they Mm -hmm. kind of understand and have a reference for it but Seeing people pop up in the comment section and being like, oh, this has a name. This is totally me. And then people are commenting back like, oh, me too. The belly button fetish was mm, probably mm-hmm. the one that got like a lot of interesting attention. <laughs> but it's been really cool, like seeing people discover it together and then not feel alone. Yes. And that makes so much sense because, you know, language is always evolving, but especially in these subcultures like the kink world, language is going to evolve a lot more quickly because we are Mm -hmm. constantly discovering Mm -hmm. things or utilizing things in different ways. And so much of it's wrapped up in slang and stuff like that. So and then generational stuff. I don't know. Do Gen Z's want to be puppies and otters and bears anymore? Thank God for Urban Dictionary because (laughs) we need Urban Dictionary. Write that down. That needs to be like a kinky Urban Dictionary because there are are so many words that I hear something and I'm like, we should make this together just so we can keep up with the, with the pace here. <laughs> yeah. And then we yeah. have an excuse too. We're yeah. like, oh, well, you know, research. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, we have another connection outside of sex ed and the kink world, which is Dyke Day. Yes. We have to talk about Dyke Day. It has just grown into such an epic LA institution. And I'm one of the founders of the event and you're a current organizer of the event. I'm now the treasurer, the 2023 Ooh. treasurer. Of well, and I just want to say I'm so proud of both of you. My niblet, my non-binary niece nephew was in town and niblet's the word, right? See, we got to look up the dictionary. So my niblet was in town and I got to bring them to Dyke Day. And it's just like, I couldn't be more proud of that event and that people that I know are responsible for it. Like, it's just so inspiring that you guys, that you made it happen. It's great. It's so valuable. Thank you. I think what you're describing is absolutely part of what the original vision was, right? Something that would be intergenerational Mm -hmm. and could be a space for so many different folks who aren't normally 
integrated into pride or included. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really curious, Safia, on your take on, you know, what the role of Dyke Day is in pride, you know, what the future looks like. If you want to give the elevator pitch for Dyke Day, some folks might not be from LA or maybe have Mm -hmm. somehow been living under a rock and have never (laughs) heard of Dyke Day. (laughs) So Dyke Day Los Angeles is a once a year party in the park. It's designed to be an alternative to this mainstream version of Pride. Uh, We -hmm. believe that leather should be at Pride. We believe that Pride should be all gender inclusive. Mm -hmm. And we also believe that we want that grassroots sort of we don't need Wells Fargo and Bank of America like placating to and pandering to the LGBTQIA plus community because we know they all put rainbow flags up in the windows mm-hmm. for the month of June and then they magically disappear. So Dyke Day is the alternative to be able to go have something that feels more like a big backyard barbecue sort of a thing. We take over a park and have drag shows and there's drag queen story hour. There's bounce houses. There's a leather tent. There's so much good music. And it's just a great way for people to all descend on the same place. We always kind of joke and say, we just want to kind of show up and lay around in the grass and vibe with other queer people. Started off when you first started, Sarah, was like a couple hundred people hanging around, having like picnics and, you know, chit-chatting and talking about, you know, the fun stuff and a little bit of politics. Now it's become almost like a mini Bonnaroo where we had 5,000 people show up this past year. And we actually, so this is the inside scoop. Dyke Day is doing a fall event. <gasps> nice. What? Sunday, October 29th, Dyke Day is doing a family-friendly event at the LGBT Center. And it's going to be something for the kids, but also something for the adults. We haven't quite picked a name for it, but think of it like fall time meets Dyke Day, but on a little bit of a smaller scale. We've been really hearing the call in terms of what's happening in our schools. So the Mm. main theme that's centered around this is leave our queer kids alone. Mm -hmm. Leave our queer kids alone. Mm -hmm. Let them live their lives and have a good time and be the children that they're meant to be, regardless Mm -hmm. of what that version of that child looks like. So that'll Mm -hmm. be happening a daytime party that's family friendly. There'll be pumpkins. There's going to be hopefully like a pageant or a talent show. There's DJs that are coming and the LGBT center is being gracious enough to host it for us. So it's going to be a good time. I can't wait. Ruby and I will definitely be there. Yeah. This was partly inspired by you, Sarah. We were reading some old notes from like an old meeting and you had said something like, I would love a space I could bring my young kids to. Mm. And Dyke Day, even though, like you were saying about your, did we say nibbling? No, that's your your nibbling (laughs) that you brought. That's for like more like the 18, 16, 17, 18 Mm -hmm. up route. So this is something that like you can bring your three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year old, which will be pretty cool for them to like be around other queer people and take in that queer energy. And then also a way for like other queer Dyke Day folk to be able to like spend time together on a holiday weekend. 
It should mm-hmm. be really cute. It should be really yeah, cute. Yeah, it sounds so cute. I can't wait. This year, I was out of town during Pride Weekend, which I don't know how. I mean, it was actually just the first year that I haven't been doing something for Dyke Day, so I wasn't tracking Pride. And Andrea and I had gone to go see Janet Jackson in San Diego. Ooh, and that on. morning, I got a text from Ruby, who was like, Mama, are you going to be at the Pride event today? I'd love to see you because she was with my co-parent. And I, I mean, my heart sunk. Poor Andrea is like, we have this fun Janet Jackson weekend planned. And I was just like so bummed all day. And then she sent me pictures from Dyke Day. Like she's definitely at that age now where Mm. she was like, this event is for me. I love it. It was Mm. so cute and totally like unrelated to you know me introducing her to the event my co-parent took her and she had a fabulous time oh I'm so happy no and my niblet was like uh, they're 13 and they were like I have never seen so many queer people in all my life and I was like I don't think I have either this is <laughs> blowing up I don't know there's that many people in LA <laughs> It was packed. It is hard in Los Angeles. And yet somehow Dyke Day pops up and everyone's mm-hmm. in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, where are y'all 364 other yeah. days of the year when I'm mm-hmm. stuck swiping on like some dating app or something? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You might need to like link up with someone who's like a dating coach and maybe do like a Dyke Day speed dating event or something. Ooh, that. that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. like a great Valentine's idea. Day speed dating event. That Ooh. might be cute. I love it. I love Write it. That down. Yeah, well, yeah. Dyke Day has an event on October 29th at the Gay and Lesbian Center. What else do you have coming up? Where can people find you? I have a class with Obsidian LA, which is a cutie pock group that centers around brown and black queer people being able to party and have a good time. I'm teaching an interactive BDSM 101 class. It's going to be on September 29th. It's a Friday. And it's a nighttime party at Threshold. Oh, that sounds awesome. What are your top recommendations for like BIPOC play parties? Cruise LA is great. Mm -hmm. It is not necessarily BIPOC focused, but it's very BIPOC friendly. Mm -hmm. Obsidian Gross throws some great parties. And then there's some other like up and coming events that are happening. Me and my friend Terry, we co-host a all black munch every Mm -hmm. second Tuesday of the month in Culver City. We got a little bit of pushback when we first started the uh, munch and but I think people get it now they Good. get that it's not about excluding mm-hmm. white people or other um, people of color it's about creating a safe space where we don't have to code switch we don't have to deal with certain microaggressions and we can just be ourselves and what's really lovely mm-hmm. is sometimes we get white people or Latino people who say I know I can't be there but what can I do to help and I say well mm-hmm. it is at a restaurant can you sponsor someone's meal because as marginalized mm-hmm. people we We don't get paid as much as everyone else. And some people have to leave work an hour early in order to be able to come. And they have no problem. They'll Mm -hmm. send a little money through and then someone will message me and say, oh, I really want to come, but I can't afford to Uber and eat. And we're like, 
if you get there and we're happy mm-hmm. to make sure that you eat and you don't have to sit there with an empty plate. And mm-hmm. that's been so beautiful seeing community come together like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We've asked a couple of times, like what, what's the best thing that people can do? And a lot of times it's like, you know, throw down some cash once in a while. Truly and honestly, like you just know? put your money where your it's mouth helpful. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how many mm-hmm. times do we like go to a bar and buy a round of shots for other people? Mm-hmm. So why not just, you know, put a little food in someone else's mouth or over tip somebody at mm-hmm. uh, at a mm-hmm. boot black station or something like that? Or while you're going and getting a complimentary spanking saying, hey, you know, can I pay you for your time or, you know, buy your next cocktail or something? It's a great way to show your appreciation. Something that we've started doing is leaving our guests with an affirmation Oh, I love as this. an appreciation for you spending this time with us. Well, this one is a little bit of a call to action for you. Okay. So if you need something more like a hug, just let me know and I'll pull another one. <laughs> it says, breathe in the good shit, breathe out the bullshit. I like that. Okay, we got a Mercury retrograde, so that feels yeah. very on par right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you. I love that. I'll, I'll take that to heart and kind of puddle around with it for the rest of the day today. Breathe it out. Breathe it out. Thank you so much, Safia. Thank you all. This was so lovely. Wow, Safia just really fills me with a just kind of joy. She's a very light, bubbly, positive person. And I love that she's bringing that to kink. Kink needs it. Yeah, I think of her as one of those, what would be the opposite of a gatekeeper, a greeter? Yes. Like if kink had the version of a Walmart greeter, and I don't want to say that she's like a Walmart greeter, but you know what I mean? Like an ambassador is really a much better term. Yeah. She's just like, Hey, here it is. It's not scary. Mm -hmm. Let me break it down for you. Make it accessible. Welcome you in. And also even in some of her storytelling, like she was talking about the self-identification piece. Mm -hmm. Like she might be over here like, oh, that like foot worship thing that you're doing every night. That's kinky, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, I'm here when you're ready. <laughs> yes. When you're ready to talk about your foot fetish, I'm here. What If you even yeah. want to call it that, you know? Yeah. I yeah. loved her love for kink and kinky people. I've always felt this way and I felt very like attuned with her heartfelt joy for kink in general. Like it is just to me and apparently to her, just an obvious way to see a human's intelligence and playfulness. As adults, I really feel like we just continue to play through kink, that we just Mm. add a sexuality layer and all of these playful things that we used to do now are evolved into things like spanking and power exchange and things like that. Just like when you're a kid, you could be that dark kid or you could be that light and bubbly kid. You don't have to be black leather clad. You can be. But you could also wear like tie-dye spandex and be kinky as fuck, you know? (laughs) It's like all in your hands for you to define, you know? Like, yeah, our love of sex and kink in general has so much to do with like, it can be everything. And Mm -hmm. I think that for so long, we've had, you know, gatekeepers Mm -hmm. and a lot of obviously mainstream 
cultural messaging around yes. kink being, you know, like the kinky killers and all this pathologizing. And I'm going to say this, and I don't actually mean that I think that kink should live in this space of normalization, mm. because I think that like when we're trying to be like, no, kink is acceptable, it's quote unquote normal. Like it's like, well, no, that then actually erases all of that gray area, mm. nuance, some of the growth that can come from when you get just at the edge of your comfort zone kink kind of pushes you into a different space where you kind of dance with that. So I'm not trying to say we should all be pushing for kink to be normal and everyone to engage in kink. But I think that when more people like Safia are out there in the world being kinky, mm -hmm. doing events for black and brown people mm -hmm. and teaching about it, it just, it drops some of the gates around it. It's yeah. just like, no, you're all invited. And it's just like any other interest or hobby. Like maybe for you, it's, you know, model trains. Mm -hmm. And for somebody else, it's learning to like Florentine flog. You're, right. You're both mm -hmm. interested in working with your hands and getting a little obsessive about a yeah. skill set <laughs> and, like, and like being creative and engaging with other people around it. Like that's yes. ultimately what it is. Yeah. You can find some real truths about humanity and about yourself through these things through a kind of play. So I personally think kink is a better avenue for that than model trains. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe a model train enthusiast really finds like their humanity and connection to other people through that. Or maybe they find their solitude and peace through it. And a kink can be that for, for so many things. It's an avenue for exploration. I don't know. I just love that Safia's out there greeting people. Oh, and pervertibles. Can we talk oh. about pervertibles? Okay. That is the best term. I love that she's so dictionary focused. <laughs> pervertibles <laughs> is the best word. Put on your kinky glasses when you go to Home Depot because it's full of pervertibles. But really your whole your whole house is full of pervertibles. It's like you're doing like sensory stuff. You don't have a pinwheel, let's get a fork. You don't have a wooden paddle, you might have a wooden spoon. It's like a mindset. It's a kinky mindset to life and it changes and enlivens things. It makes things so much more interesting. It also breaks down barriers. Mm -hmm. You know, when we think about institutions, there's usually a lot of kind of hoops and things you got to jump through to be able to access that thing. And I think of kink sometimes as like the institution of kink mm -hmm. versus being kinky. And like everything Safia does, the use of pervertibles, it just breaks down any barriers that somebody may have of like, well, I don't have the gear or right. I don't particularly like leather. You know, mm -hmm. it just makes it all really within reach. Yeah. So if you want to go to Safia's upcoming class with Obsidian on September 29th, you can still get tickets. It's half workshop, half play party, mm. and the link is in the show notes. You can find the link to our upcoming live event on Thursday, September 28th. So you can do them back to back. You can come to our live event on Thursday, go to Safia's class mm -hmm. slash play party on Friday. You can find the link on our Instagram at 
fuck yeah pod or you could go to thepleasurechest.com and go to their events page and register there. Tickets are totally free, but you do have to register for the event. So if you're in the LA area, you can come to both of those things. And I am also teaching at the Pleasure Chest on October 5th. I'm teaching a pegging class. Mm -hmm. So come and find us in person because it would be so nice to connect with you. Or find us online at Fuck Yeah Pod on TikTok or Instagram at F Yeah Pod on YouTube. You can email us at F Yeah Pod at gmail.com or at the very least, rate, review, and subscribe. Fuck yeah. Fuck Yeah Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by she, her, sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com. Thanks for tuning in.